Welcome to Reign of Grace. This program is brought to you by Reign of Grace Media Ministries, an outreach ministry of Eager Avenue Grace Church in Albany, Georgia. It is our pleasure and privilege to present to you the gospel message of the sovereign grace and glory of God in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that today's program will be a blessing to you. Thank you for listening, and now for today's program. Welcome to our program today. I'm glad you could join us. And if you'd like to follow along in your Bibles, I'm going to pick up where I began last week in the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 6, talking about Christ, the bread of life. This is part two of Christ, the bread of life. And I concluded last week with John chapter 6, around verses 37, 38, and 39. But go back to verse 35. This is the text that I'm basically launching out from. And it's where Christ told his hearers at this point. It says in verse 35 of John 6, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. And that's a, a, a way of, of talking about the full, free, complete salvation that comes to God's people in the glorious person and the finished work of Christ. He's the water of life. And, and if you drink from this water, you'll never thirst again, spiritually speaking. And he's the bread of life. You eat of this bread, you'll never hunger again. Christ is the fullness of salvation. He's the fullness of forgiveness. The forgiveness of sins comes by Jesus Christ, not by anything we do. I heard a preacher say years ago, he said that the cost of forgiveness is your repentance. And that's not true. Now, you may think I'm just splitting hairs here or being critical. I'm not. <clears throat> the cost of, of forgiveness is the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 1 John 1, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Original sin, past sin, fu- present sin, future sin. And when the Holy Spirit brings a sinner to see that and believe it, then comes repentance. That's what brings a sinner to repent of dead works and idolatry and sin. So Christ is the fullness of salvation. And I was reading these verses. Let's go back to verse 37. Now this, this, how, this is how Christ relates his own fullness for the salvation of his people. He says in verse 37, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. All that the Father giveth, giveth me. And I dealt with that last week. That's the, that's the elect of God given to him before the foundation of the world. God chose a people and placed all of the responsibility of their salvation upon the shoulders of Christ. And the only way we know who these people are is what he says right here in verse 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Have you come to Christ? Do you believe on him? Rest in him. Repent of your dead works. And he says, In him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Don't use election to try to play God as if you know things that he doesn't know or as if he's let you in on things that he hasn't revealed. God knows who his people are. The Lord knoweth them that are his, Paul, his, Paul wrote one time. 
But the only way we know it is as God the Holy Spirit under the preaching of the gospel brings them to faith in Christ and repentance of dead works. And anybody who comes to, to God pleading the blood and righteousness of Christ, desiring salvation God's way that glorifies God and exalts Christ and puts us in the dust where we belong, God will never turn them away. That's who his elect are. That's how Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 1, 4 and 5, he said, I know your election of God because the word, the gospel came to you, not just in word, not just hearing words, but it came to you in power. Because the gospel is the power of God and salvation, <clears throat> not to everybody without exception, but to everyone that believeth. <clears throat> to the Jew first, the Greek also, or the Gentile. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith, that is, knowledge revealed, to faith, knowledge received and believed, where the Holy Spirit convinces us. And he says, as it is written, the just, the justified. Those who are forgiven through the blood of Christ, those who are declared righteous through his righteousness imputed, the justified shall live by faith. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Well, look at verse 38. He said, I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Now, God's will, the Father's will, and the Son's will are one and the same. But what Christ is saying in his, in his uh, capacity as the Savior and Redeemer of his people, in his humanity, I'm not just doing this on my own. This is in, this is in uh, coherence with the Father. Everything I do, he said, is, is in, uh, right with the Father. The Father and the Son and the Spirit are all involved in the salvation of God's people. They each have a different role, a different office. <clears throat> God the Father represents the sovereignty of, of, of the Godhead. God the Son represents the worker, you might say, the accomplisher of salvation. And God the Holy Spirit represents the applier of salvation. He applies it in the new birth. And so Christ says in verse 39 of John 6, This is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. There's not going to be one sinner in hell for whom Christ lived and died, was buried, and arose again. I've heard preachers say in their man-made invitations, altar calls, they'll say something like this. They say, come to Christ Accept him as your savior. If you don't, did he die in vain for you? Well, my friend, listen, that's heresy. Christ did not die in vain for anybody. In fact, he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all unto me, all of his people for whom he died, the elect of God, all of his sheep. He's not going to lose one of them. They'll be, they'll be raised up at the last day, he said. In verse 40, now look here. He says, and this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son, with spiritual eyes now, under the conviction of the Spirit in the new birth, under the preaching of the gospel, see the glory of the Son. Who he is. God manifest in the flesh. Do you realize if you reject Christ, who you're rejecting? You're rejecting God. 
manifest in the flesh. God with us. That's right. The glory of His person. Do you see the power and the success and the accomplishment of His finished work on the cross? He didn't die in vain for anybody. His death was not an attempt to save sinners if they would let Him. His death is the salvation of all for whom He died. They will come to Him. They will be raised again unto glory. That's what the Scripture teaches. So do you realize, do you see the Son? And so He says, And this is the will of Him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on Him, if you see Him really with spiritual eyes in the new birth under the gospel, you'll believe in Him. You'll believe on Him. And he says, may have everlasting life and I will raise him up at the last day. If, you, if God the Holy Spirit brings you to believe in Christ, there's no, there's no possibility of you losing that salvation. These so-called Christians, and I say so-called because they're false Christians, who believe that you can be saved and then lost, Lose it by sin, saved by believing and lose it by sinning. They don't know Christ. They don't know the gospel. Their gospel is a conditional salvation conditioned on them. And their pride feeds that. I did what I spo- I'm supposed, supposed to do, but those who die and perish, they didn't. No, that's not the way it is. You see, this is the work of God that, they be- that you believe on Him whom God has sent. So, he's not going to lose them at all. He's going to save them to the uttermost, the scripture says, that come unto God by him. Well, look at verse 41. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. Now, this is Christ, the bread of life. And he said of himself, he said, I'm the bread that come down from heaven. What's he saying? He's, he's, he's admitting that he is God manifest in the flesh. He's admitting that he's the Messiah. That he's the one and only Savior. The one mediator between God and men. There's no other mediator between God and men. Mary is not a mediator. She was the human mother of Christ. That is, the mother of his humanity. She's not the mother of God. God has no mother. God has no beginning and no end. In his deity, he had no mother. But he had a mother in his humanity. But it wasn't because she was sinlessly perfect. No, Mary was a sinner saved by grace. In her her, uh, uh, worship, as recorded in the book of Matthew, she lauded Christ as her Savior. Well, let me tell you, if you, if you, if you if you need a Savior, that proves you're a sinner. Only sinners need a Savior. So Mary's not a mediator between God and Christ or between you and Christ or you and God. The saints, Paul and Peter and James, and they're not mediators. They're sinners saved by grace. I thank God for them. Thank God for Mary. But she's not the mother of God. She's not, listen, she's a sinner saved by grace. She's my sister in Christ. Christ is the one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Well, in verse 42, it says, And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? 
Well, now Joseph was his adopted father, not his natural father. He had no natural father. Mary was the mother of his human nature. And so Jesus, in verse 43, therefore answered and said to them, Murmur not among yourselves. No use complaining about all that you cannot understand. Look at verse 44. Now listen to this. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now no man can come to me, he said. That word can there speaks of ability. And what he's saying is that you don't believe, but you need to understand and stop complaining. Nobody can come to me. Nobody can believe in me except the Father which has sent me draw him. Now that word draw is translated drag in the parable that Christ spoke of the dragnet where they cast the net over and brought, drew in those fishes. Now does that mean that he drags you uh, feet first against your will? No. He drags his people, he draws them by making them willing in the day of his power. And how does he do that? Well, first look back at John chapter 1. I dealt with this several weeks ago. But it talks about Christ coming into the world. And it says in verse, verse 11, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Now most commentators will say that means his own nation, the Jews. And it's true, he came unto the nation of the Jews. He was born a Jew in his humanity now, without sin. And his own nation, the Jews, received him not. They knew him not. They didn't recognize him. There were a few who did. That's the remnant of God's election of grace out of the Jews. That's God's elect. But as a whole, the majority of them didn't, didn't know him. But this applies to all people by nature. Even his elect by nature didn't know him. They have to be drawn to him, see. He has to be revealed. Well, how does that happen? Well, look at verse 12 of John 1. It said, says, but as many as received him. So there are some who received him. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name. Now that word power there does not mean ability. Like the word can over here, no man can come to me. That means ability. It's the word that, the Greek word is the word we get our English word dynamite from. Power and ability. But this word power in verse 12 of John 1 doesn't mean ability. It means the right or the privilege in other words, if I claim to be saved, that means I'm claiming to be a son of God, a child of God. What gives me the right to do that? Well, he says it in verse 12, even to them that believe on his name. I believe in Christ. God has given me the gift of faith. Now, how did that come about? Well, verse 13 tells us of John 1, which were born. It came about by birth. Well, does it come out about by natural birth? No, he says, not of blood. This receiving Christ, 
believing in him that comes by a birth. What kind of birth? Not the natural birth. You're not naturally born into it, physically born into it. Your pedigree or your bloodline has nothing to do with it, whether you're Jew or Gentile, whatever. So it's not of blood, born nor of the will of the flesh. Now, what I believe he's talking about there, the will of the flesh, he's talking about the works of the flesh. This new birth does not come about by natural birth. This new birth does not come about by the works of the flesh. Okay, well, it doesn't come about by works. How does it come about? Does it come about by our decision? Our willingness to receive Christ? No. Born not of, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, or the works of the flesh, nor of the will of man. The new birth does not come about by your, in, in, a, in some kind of a free will capacity, making a decision for Christ. If you truly make a decision for the true Christ and believe on him, that's not, the, that's not the basis or the cause of the new birth. Your decision for him and believing in him is the fruit of being born again by the Spirit under the gospel. And that's what he says. Look at it again. Which were born, verse 13, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Born of God. Born from above. That's what, John, that's what Christ said in John 3. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. He cannot enter it. You've got to be born again. Now, how does that happen? We'll go back to John 6, and let's read these two verses, 6, and 6, It says, Christ said, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I'll raise him up at the last day. If the Father draws you, You'll be raised up at the last day. You can't lose it. And verse 45, now he goes back to Isaiah 54 and he quotes from Isaiah. It is written in the prophets and they shall, they shall be all taught of God. In this new birth, under the preaching of the gospel, by the power of the spirit, God teaches a person and they're taught of God. It's, it's, it's a teaching, it's a divine teaching. Now, he may use a preacher as an instrument, just like a writer uses a typewriter or a pen to write. But if you leave the, the typewriter or the pen off by itself, there's nothing going to be written, is there? The same way, if I preach to you and God doesn't do the work sovereignly, invincibly, irresistibly, and powerfully, There'll be no salvation. So if I preach a message and somebody is brought to faith in Christ and repentance, that's not my work, even though I was an instrument, a voice. It's God's work. Salvation is of the Lord. So they shall be all taught of God. And here's how it comes about. Here's how God teaches them. Every man, this is verse 45, every man therefore that hath heard, Remember he told the disciples, blessed are your eyes for they see, blessed are your ears for they hear. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, he says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God gives them ears to hear. That's what he does in the new birth by the Holy Spirit. 
from the life of Christ. So every man therefore hath that hath heard. Now what does he hear? Okay, let's look at it, verse 45. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father. Learned of the Father. What do you mean by that? Well, learning of the Father is God teaching his people through the gospel wherein the righteousness of God is revealed, the Lord Jesus Christ in the glory of his person and the power of his finished work. How God can be both a righteous judge and a loving, merciful, and gracious father. You see, a lot of people claim that God is their father when he's not. The unbelieving Jews, the Pharisees, they claimed that God was their father. That's what they claimed. But over in John chapter 8 and verse 44, listen to what the Lord told them. He says, you're of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. The unlawful desires inspired by your father the devil you do. Well, what were they doing? They were seeking righteousness by their works. That's the lust of their father, the devil. And he said, he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him. And when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. He's just speaking what naturally comes to him. He is a liar and the father of it. And he says, and because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. There is a sense in which we can say that God is the father of everybody by creation. We're all brothers by creation. But in salvation, God is not the spiritual heavenly father of everybody without exception. No, sir. He is of his elect in Christ, whom he gives life and draws to himself. And we're not spiritual brothers. Not Everybody's not my spiritual brother. You, you, we're, we're sinners and we're brothers in creation, but not spiritually speaking. My brothers and sisters in Christ, that's my spiritual brethren. That's the spiritual family of God. So back in verse 45 of John 6, every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father... How do you learn of the Father? Through the preaching of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. How can God be both a just, righteous God and punish sin, punish sinners to whom sin is imputed, charge, and yet still be a, a loving, gracious, merciful Father? There's not but one way, and that's by His free, sovereign grace based upon the glorious person and finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The work he finished as my representative, my surety, having my sins imputed to him, my substitute, going to the uh, being obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, being raised again because he established the righteousness whereby God can be both a just God and a Savior, and he's my Redeemer. That's how. And if you come to God through Christ, pleading his blood and righteousness, that's evidence that God is your Father. And so Christ says, Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Now how do I know if I've heard and learned of the Father? I'll tell you how I know. Have I come to Christ in the glory of His person and the power of His finished work as revealed in the Scriptures? 
Have I submitted to him as the Lord my righteousness? Do I plead anything but his blood for the forgiveness of my sins? Do I plead anything but his righteousness imputed to me as my ground of justification? If I do, then I give no evidence of having learned of the Father. But if I come to him as the Lord my righteousness, my one and only Savior, my one and only hope, the Lamb of God, if I come to him, God manifest in the flesh, then I give evidence that I've been taught of God, that I've learned of the Father, and I believe in him. So in verse 46, John 6, 46, not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God, he hath seen the Father. What he's saying here is you don't see the Father physically because God is spirit. And so he says in verse 47, he, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Verse 48, I am that bread of life. Eternal life, everlasting life is in the Son of God incarnate, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the bread of life. And he says in verse 49, your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and they're dead. Now they ate that manna that God rained from heaven. It was still, it was still physical food. And they got hungry again. We could go back and show that type. It's a beautiful type. But they died in the wilderness. That manna that they ate did not give them everlasting life. So he says in verse 50, this is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. Christ is the bread of life and that's eternal life. Everlasting life. Verse 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. That's God's people all over the world. That's not, listen, that word world does not mean everybody without exception. Because if it does, then everybody without exception will live forever in glory. He's talking, he's telling these Jews that God has an elect people, not just of this nation, but all over the world. He has Jews and Gentiles. Read, you can read it all over the Bible. Who is a spiritual Jew? Those who have been born again. Who are, who's been born again? Those who come to Christ and believe in him. He's the bread of life. And he said, I am that living bread. If you eat of him. Now, what is that? That means believe in him. Rest in him. Feed upon him. Live upon him. Christ is my life. He's the water of life. I'll never thirst again. He's the bread of life. I'll never hunger again. This is the gospel, folks. This is the way of life. Christ said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I hope you'll join us next week for another message from God's Word. We are glad you could join us for another edition of Reign of Grace. This program is brought to you by Reign of Grace Media Ministries, an outreach ministry of Eager Avenue Grace Church in Albany, Georgia. To receive a copy of today's program or to learn more about Reign of Grace Media Ministries or Eager Avenue Grace Church, write us at 1102 Eager Drive, Albany, Georgia 31707. Contact us by phone at 229-432-6969 or email us through our website at www 
the letter R, ofgrace.com. Thank you again for listening today, and may the Lord be with you.